0: We do yearn for such a place, don't we? Can you imagine living in a, in a country, a world, a place like that, where justice reigns and the fires of love burn across it regularly and continually, touching everyone in its path? We yearn for such a place. Today we're going to talk about an amazing story. An amazing, amazing story. You can't say awesome enough about Pentecost, can you? You just can't do it. Pentecost was an awesome reality. And when we talk about Pentecost, a lot of people go, yeah, yeah, what was that? Oh, yeah, that was uh, um, 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 Pentecost. um, um." And they just expressed all of their knowledge about Pentecost. Fortunately, that is not true of the people who gather here regularly for worship. You are a Pentecostal church. You are a church that is fed by the Spirit, nurtured by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, inspired by the Spirit. You are a church that recognizes the presence of the Spirit in your midst. You are a church that believes in the power of God. But not every church is like that, unfortunately. Not every church of Jesus Christ understands what you understand. Let's take a short trip through this text. The coming of the Spirit being loosed upon the earth. God's plan of salvation, fully revealed Created, saved through Jesus Christ, and now ready to be inspired by His Holy Spirit. <clears throat> it is the work of God on earth through the Holy Spirit that motivates us now, that lives with us now, that fills us now. Now, Pentecost has happened just once. There have been many Pentecostal-type sightings. It is a one-time event in Scripture And we must remember that that is just what it is. For the purpose of saying to the early followers of Jesus Christ, you are not in a dream. What you have imagined and what you have seen is not over. For I, the Lord your God who created you and who has sent the one to save you, am now going to transform you and to empower you to change the world. This is the beginning of the beginning." This is a genesis of the post-Jesus resurrection. And there has not been another genesis post-Jesus resurrection, if you will, since. And there will never be until Jesus Christ himself returns to this earth. Until that time, the Holy Spirit has been left here for us. He lives among us and seeks to reign within us so that he might reign through us. These people gathered for worship To listen to the apostles. You know those 11 goofy guys that have been following that Jesus guy around. You know those who said they believed in Jesus. Who said he was the Messiah. That one. And they said that Jesus said to remain in Jerusalem until they received power. I don't know what that's going to be. But here we are. Worshipping. Waiting. It's been 50 days. 50 days. Pentecost. And then... The Spirit shows up. And when the Spirit shows up, things happen. Things happen when the Spirit shows up in life. On this particular day, the Spirit showed up in such a way that the power of God could not be denied. In such a way that the people of God were changed, including Peter, who stood up to speak from an inspired heart. When the Spirit showed up, The people of God were united. When the Spirit showed up, the fellowship of the faithful began. When the Spirit showed up, the church was born. Although it wasn't even called the church then. It was called the followers of Christ. Acts 2.42 makes it clear what the church looked like. They gathered together, continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. The church and the gospel was ready to spread like wildfire. And the motor, the initiating force for that, was not the goodness of the disciples or even what they remembered about the man Jesus. The motivating force for all that was about to happen was the Holy Spirit That had been loosed upon the earth. What an exciting time to be alive. They were blessed. Wouldn't you like to have been there? To have heard that rushing wind. Feel the place where everybody's going. Whoa, what is that? And then to see tongues as a fire. Lighting upon everybody's head. Pretty spooky, right? Everybody's going. How much wine did I have last night? I don't recall. What is going on here? What is going on? What is this? I, it's so deafening here. The sound, this roaring, and what's up with these flame things hopping around on everybody? I mean, this is a trip. What are we doing? What are we? What's happening? And then to make matters more astounding, they begin to speak out and call out in their native tongues. I would have loved to have been there because I'm terrible with foreign languages. Wouldn't it be cool to be in a place where when someone spoke in Japanese, you heard them in English, if you're in English? Wouldn't it be cool if you were from Pakistan and you were there and someone spoke in English and you clearly understood them? Wouldn't it be clear if everybody on earth that was speaking to you from all around the world was speaking in their own language and you understood it in your language? Now, that's a gift of tongues. I mean, the gift of tongues is exciting when you speak in prayer language and God speaks to you, but we're not talking about that. The gift of tongues is exciting when you get a word of prophecy from God and somebody interprets it in worship. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a one-time miracle that in my mind is even much greater. That the people of the world, the peoples of the world, if you will, were united with common understanding. Imagine a gathering filled with the most excited Aggies the most hopeful horned frogs all the cowboys riding the great stallions were gathered can you imagine the picture? you can imagine it, you know what's coming don't you? you know what's coming right? yeah they were there and then and then even the big horned beast came the steer And the Aggies and the steers could talk the same language. Imagine that. At the same table, the Red Raiders and the Longhorns and the Aggies were all sitting around and smiling and loving one another. Is it possible? It's just not possible by human actions. Trust me. I'm going to try and eat. I'm going to try and pick a good table, but I may end up at an Aggie's table, but so be it. I'll assume it's my turn to witness. It's greater than that. We're talking about all around the world. We're talking about people who don't have a clue about what each other thinks or believes or says. Can't understand the word they're saying. And they speak and every person hears it in their own language. The way they were made to hear it. How, can I say this more deliberately? I don't want to stop until I'm sure you got it. Everybody heard in their own language. Everybody heard... In their own language. Everybody heard in such a way that all their customs, all their family upbringings, everything that they were a part of, did not get in the way of them hearing purely what God wanted to say to them. I'm coming back to that. Hang on to that. This text is great, isn't it? We could have 17 sermons at least from this one text. But not in the amount of time like we give it. These inspired people had a common hearing Of languages. They began to share. All things in common. Mm. Wow. That sounds like income tax. Force fed. Even more oppressive than an income tax. Everything you have. Is available to give to someone else who has nothing. We don't even have. A word for that in terms of political systems but we have a word for it in terms of faith it's called Christianity it's called the idea that everything that we have comes from God and is available for God we don't have that word and just one or two phrases we don't know how to say it we don't, surely don't know how to live it do we it's hard for us to practice it among our own church family members. It's hard for us to practice it even amongst our blood family, isn't it? Be truthful now. Come on. But here, they were all one. Who, oh, man. No wonder worship is so much fun today. This is almost better than Easter. Except without Easter, we wouldn't have it, right? It is certainly has more impact or should upon us than even does the knowledge of the birth of Christ at Christmas. And yet many churches pay little attention to this day. Our sanctuary is not overflowing like it is on Easter or Christmas. You know, it's good to be saved, but being saved without being filled and out, without having a life in the Spirit doesn't accomplish a whole lot. It helps you if you're looking for a selfish kind of faith. And I know a lot of people are practicing a very selfish kind of Christianity. That's kind of what I was praying about with the children for these homes for these international students. Um, I know it's a lot of trouble. You know, my kids are gone, but if I lived close enough to that school, we would have somebody in our home. I would make it my duty to offer to somebody some of those rooms that are just workout rooms or just something else now that I don't have to have. I would, make it, I would make it my opportunity to gently and lovingly introduce somebody to Christ over a period of years with no rush and no hurry where they could actually hear from their own perspective of their language and their culture the voice of God through English told you I'd come back to it. I'm coming back again. Don't get nervous. Okay, let's go back here. Let's just kind of, let's celebrate, okay? Let's just have this fun. When the Spirit shows up, Pentecost happens. Acts is a unique story. I want to caution you with this. You don't want to build all of your New Testament theology on the book of Acts. You don't want to build all your New Testament theology on the event of Pentecost but you certainly want to have it as a part it is and this is a caution a unique story one time only in this unique story It was given for the purpose of the formation of the first believers into the church. God knew he needed a mighty vessel to carry out his plan. it had to be a spirit-filled, spirit-guided, spirit-led ministry that didn't have to worry about a lot of facts because they didn't know a lot of facts. What they needed was the divine unction of the present spirit in their life to guide them. They didn't have time to study the Bible because, hey, it hadn't been written. They had to have a spirit in order to bring them all together and to keep them all together, and it was not easy. Read the book of 1 Corinthians. It was not easy, even for believers who were intent on following Jesus to stay together, even when they were spirit-led. Being spirit-led does not separate us from any chance of being wrong, even in the spirit. It does not mean that we'll all hear the spirit in the same way. Illustration. We've been looking for a youth pastor. Pastor. Well, have we been looking? We really have been looking. And we thought we've heard the Spirit speak several times, and we think we did. But we kept going back to be sure we were hearing exactly what God was saying to us. And so far, we have not been unanimous in our spirit that what we have been seeking is before us. We're still looking. We won't give up till we find that person. But the reality is that sometimes, even when we think we're being led by the Spirit, one of the cautions is that spiritual experiences are not only all the same, and although we have a lot of freedom within the Spirit, there has to be also structures and orders in the church of God, just like Paul set up in 1 Corinthians. And a Spirit-led church does not always sense at first movement the same act of God, the same spirit of leading. But what the Spirit-led church does is it prays about the What God has given them to use and then seeks commonality, unity of the body of Christ so that they might go forward in positive spirit. Feeling like God is leading them. Do they ever make a mistake? If there's a person here who's not been led by the spirit and found out that what they thought they knew turned out to be wrong, I want to suggest something to you gently. It's possible that what you heard wasn't exactly what the spirit was trying to say to you. I have had people walk into my office telling me some pretty incredible things that the Spirit was telling them to do. It's amazing that they included me in what the Spirit was telling me to do, too. And then as I contemplate what they were telling me to do, sometimes I've been motivated and Spirit-led to pick up the phone and call the local hospital to receive them in their emergency room. Spiritual illness are actually emotional psychosis and fanatical spiritual energy are right next to each other in our understanding of the human psyche. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to get right up to the point of being crazy for the Spirit, but then I don't want you to take that last step. Okay? Don't go crazy on me. I want you to use the head God has given you. Now that we have the Scriptures, I want you to use them to read. I want you to put them all together. I want you to pray to the Spirit, and I want you to be led by the Spirit, but I want you to be... Cautious in how you live your spirit-fed life. I don't, I'm not trying to put words in G-Men's mouth. So when they came out so beautifully from her. But do you hear what she said? She had time in a gentle, loving environment to find Christ without it being shoved down her throats. Her throat. Some of you say, you know, I just don't think I can... Re- I just can't witness. okay. Here's my challenge to you. If you can't witness and you are challenged for words, then you must be a host home. Because you can witness without talking a lot. All you have to do is love them like you love your own children. All you have to do is talk to them like you talk to anybody else. And pretty soon, if you're a Christian, it'll sneak out and you won't have to try and do it. It's a great way to learn how to witness. Just let it sneak out. And if you're still saying, oh, I can't do that, huh? Sorry, that's not what the Spirit's telling me. And you know I have the right spirit. If I'm hearing what the Spirit's saying, it must be a message for somebody out there to hear, right? Okay, maybe not always. I've had a bad Sunday or two along the way. This genesis of faith after Jesus is not just for us. It's for everybody, and not just for everybody we know, but for everybody who's going to be coming. Acts 2:38 and 39, when you go on and finish the story, says that very clearly. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not maybe, not later, not sometimes in the future. You will receive it when you repent and are baptized by the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. It's for everyone. The spirit of gift is not just for those who can stand up and talk. It's not just for those who can sing beautifully, lead worship beautifully. It's not just for those who can run the church's business. It's not just for those who have the power to get up and walk next door and talk to somebody and share the gospel with them Since they believe the spirit of God has been given to all who repent and believe. They are recipients of the spirit of God. That is wonderful, isn't it? That's wonderful. That's great. What a gift we had right at our disposal. You ever see anybody that got a gift and refused to use it? My uncle was such a man. We buried him the spring before we moved here. I took care of him for the last nine years of his life. He lived in Garland. He was an old bachelor. And yeah, all the things you can imagine about an old bachelor were true about him. Uh, except he watched TV every Sunday to watch church. It would always be turned up to the highest decibel it could run. You could hear it in the street, but he could barely hear it in the house. didn't bother him. He listened to it. All of this is important because you see, the witness of the Spirit has never completely disappeared from this earth. Spirit led people are important to this world. Now, Wesley was doubted because he was accused of being an enthusiast because he was excited about his faith. Not so much for his preaching, but other times. He was, he was accused of exciting people to be overly enthusiastic. And, you know, sometimes they use that word fanatical for us right now, you know, the fanatical Christians. I got appointed to a church recently that was supposed to be filled with fanatics. Uh, oh, yeah, that was here. <laughs> Thank God in one sense of the word they really were correct. Thank God in another sense of the word they weren't correct. I'll let you figure out what I'm talking about there. All I know is this, that my uncle would sit there in his house and live out his days, day by day by day, turning on TV and listening to church. Now, he was bruised somehow emotionally in World War II. He he wouldn't even walk out of the backyard and attend family dinners, even though he loved all his family dearly. He just couldn't be around groups, couldn't do it. He didn't want to really get up anywhere except go to the field and work in the farm until he quit farming or didn't lay in his bed and watch TV and watch sports or church on Sunday. The Spirit could still speak to him, however. and He could still have faith. The witness of the Spirit, I believe, continued in his life right up to the end. When he told me one day shortly before I went on a staff retreat, he said, Douglas, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want them to do anything else to me. I'm not hungry. I don't want to eat. I said, okay. Don't eat then. It'll be all right. If you're ready, God is ready for you. I was on the retreat a day and a half later. This had been about four or five days since we had had that conversation when he had stopped eating. And then they called me to come back. He was really bad. I got back in about two hours, three hours later. As I already called out. I don't know the exact time he passed away. He was ready to go be with the Lord and he was not afraid. What the Spirit does to us and what it means to us is important in our lives. It's not all manifested the same. I'm inspired by the Spirit sometimes I want to burst into song in a solo, but thank God I've never done it. And you should be thanking God for that too. And my wife is amening up here. Sometimes I even, in the Spirit, can give thanks for her. I know I'm getting close, right? Yeah. But just to think, starting tomorrow, you have me entirely to yourself for about 20 days, night and day, <laughs> day and night. Me and two grandchildren and your two children by birth will be with you constantly. What a lucky woman you are. he's saying what does that mean to me I don't know but let me tell you what this means to us about this Pentecost Sunday and then I'm through the spirit is trying to unite us this is what I believe to empower us to cause us to be bold to guide us because these are perilous days that spirit that has been given not just to a few of us but to all of us but we all must be willing to receive it and to move forward This is the last Sunday I'm going to preach in my first year in your midst. That may not be as important to you as it is to me. But the first year is always important. It's been important to me as I sought to understand your situation, the uniqueness of the gifts that the Spirit has given you as individuals to the extent I'm able to get to know you, and also to the congregation as a whole. I have borne witness to the life of the Spirit in your midst. It is so clear to me. That I have witnessed the power of the Holy Spirit in worship in this congregation. How you open your hearts and your minds to the presence of God. And it has inspired me afresh and anew. I have witnessed the prayers that you have for one another as you've knelt at the chancel rail. Prayed for your children. Prayed for your friends. Prayed for one another. Prayed for your spouses. Prayed with those who are going on mission trips. Even as Jason is about to leave again. The youth were praying for him today. That He'd be guided and led as he goes for a month-long mission in South America and Honduras at the mission field there. I've seen and I have witnessed the Holy Spirit working through your prayers and your intensity of prayer as people have been touched and they've been healed of diseases in their bodies. I've also known that, yes, not everyone has been healed except through death because Jesus Christ always heals, but not always here on this earth. I have seen you be united you received two new pastors and you received us both in our families and i thank you for that you've been open to what we had to say you've been listening you've been evaluating who we are as leaders and as pastors and we know that and we've been inspired to also evaluate you and where we might go together it's something that's gone on i've seen your love for one another you're still here though this church has been through a lot, though this school has been through a lot, though the daycare and the preschool ministries have been through a lot, you are still here. You are the body of Christ that has been gathered at this place for particular reasons for God. I'm clear about that. I'm one year completely clear. Now, I'll be back for my years completely over. I'll be back on the 29th and up here not preaching because Ron Henderson is going to bring the message, our district superintendent that Sunday. And then the first time I'm going to preach again will be the first Sunday of my second year begins. And I have a word for you at that time that I believe is built upon what I've been experiencing here. I'm looking forward to sharing it with you on that day. But on this day, I just need to tell you that I believe that God has brought us together for a common purpose that will call us in new ways to a journey that takes us to a different reality. All of us whether we are active in the school or active in the daycares or preschools or whether we're active in the church, I believe God is going to unite us in unique, unique and new ways to accomplish the mission he's called us to on this earth. I am dead serious about that. Otherwise, I am convinced I would not be here. You say, "Well, you mean you wouldn't be here? Well, I'd still be in Frisco. Why? Because I thought God had called me there too. And then God knocked on my door one day and said, somebody needs to help J.D. And I said, okay. <laughs> and I said, I don't know J.D. I they said, that's all right. He's going to be the one to go with you to Carrollton. And then, they, then I met Katie and his kids. And I thought, okay, it'll be all right working with J.D. because I have them. <laughs> it is your day. I want to be sure you're getting the sermon. God sent J.D here with us because he was a perfect partner for me for this first year. And I will never forget that. I thank God continually for that. And I continue to thank God for that. That now God has called J.D. to a new field where he will be the senior pastor. And I'm excited about that. Boyd doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> it will be a better place for his having been there. So today... I just share with you on this last Sunday that what we have experienced together has been real. It's been informative for both of us, but I believe we've just been getting to know one another and we start to work in July of 2014 for what God is going to do in us and through us. I'm honored that God has chosen me and each of you to move forward together. He could have chosen any number of other persons to come here. He could have freed you to move to other places where you might at times have yearned to go, but instead he has brought us together here to be his church here in this place. The church, First United Methodist Church of Carrollton, Carrollton Christian Academy, and First Place Children's Ministry are now going to move forward together in a new era of ministry. Second year is going to be moving year. We're going to move. And we're going to move in mighty and unexpected ways. And at times, you're probably going to be a little uncomfortable. Anytime the Spirit's really at work, we get a little uncomfortable. Because the Spirit is often calling us to do new and different things. But in God's wisdom and through God's power, I'm convinced at this point in my life, that when the Spirit calls us, you will be willing to move. I'm convinced now, after one year... That it's just possible I might be able to lead you to that place. I would not for sure when I got here. You never are, you know. How weird will these people be? <laughs> and they're thinking, how weird will you be? Pretty weird. I'm pretty weird. Just check with my family. They'll tell you. I'm pretty strange. But I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid for the way God is going to shape us. Or fill us. But I am confident that God's going to. I'm confident he's going to bring life and energy in unexpected ways. And I believe that you're willing to go there too. Because I don't believe you're afraid either. I don't believe you are a people who lack trust in your God. So I'm going to ask you to pray right now that on this day of Pentecost, we might remember that on this day, the Spirit spoke to us all. And the Spirit said, you are my people. If you're here today and you've not heard that call, I want you to know that God loves you. Come forward and accept Him today. And you will be a part of His family on earth as well as in heaven. I believe that God is going to call this church this group of people to move together financially systematically programmatically in a world of witness and with power to move this community of Carrollton closer to Christ to offer the Jesus to our world so that we see this place begin to fill up and fill over run over into other worship services Where the Spirit of God is radically calling His people together. I believe this is going to happen. Not because of me. And not because of you. But because of the God that we all love.